The next section of the book speaks to why we might fall in love and encourages us, I think, to see and understand ourselves more in regards to what might draw us into a relationship. Which is sort of to say, what are we searching for? Before we get into the specifics of this, because they break it down into three general reasons, which of course are not, you know, the list is not all encompassing or even exhaustive, I'd say, but I hope that it might be useful. Uh, the book provides a little bit of an intro, which I think is interesting. So they tell us, it is tempting to describe our instinctive attractions to particular people as simply mysterious. It feels, as we put it tellingly, romantic not to analyze our feelings and merely to follow their dictates with awe and abandon. However, our feelings are not the mysterious yet intelligent lodestars we might wish them to be. They are, for the most part, plainly misleading. A sense of being in love with someone is seldom a prelude to long-term contentment. If we intend to get better at relationships, we must attempt to examine the calls of romantic love rationally. This isn't a question of abandoning instinct, but of improving upon it. The first reason or instinct that we have for loving, according to the School of Life, is an instinct for completion. They tell us the following. One of the most powerful forces within love is the instinct for completion. All of us are radically incomplete. We lack a range of qualities in our characters, psychological but also physical. We might be missing calm, creativity, practical know-how, wit, strength, or sensitivity. It is as if somewhere within us, we recognize this incompleteness and experience an attraction whenever we enter the orbit of someone who possesses a complementary quality. Through love, we seek to make good a defect and to complete ourselves. So for me, I think the idea of completion is a significant one. And we could think of a lot of different cultural moments, literature, movies, music, right, that would agree with this, kind of leaning a little bit on the idea that romanticism has become a part of our culture more broadly, right? Um, I immediately think of the movie Rocky, where he's describing, where Rocky's describing to Pauly, right? Um, why he loves Adrian, you know? I've got gaps, she's got gaps, together we fill gaps. So there's some, I think some, uh, let's say some validity to that, right? And I, I immediately, you know, this brings to mind the notion for me of like opposites attract, I've always had the philosophy on that, that opposites attract, but absolute opposite, opposites won't really be sustainable, right? Or if you're absolutely opposite in some significant ways, you know, if your ways of seeing the world, if your ways of seeing important issues, your ways of treating others, your way, I mean, these things have to, at least I think to a large extent, um, be similar, right? They don't have to be, you know, I like to think of it almost in the context of a, of a simple sort of graph in a way, right? If you had one horizontal line with two lines at each end, right? Then a line in the middle, right? We might be on other sides of the middle line, but we're not going to be miles away from each other. So I think there's a sense that even with this notion of completion, or that we might be, um, let's say, missing some things, or we might lack to an extent in something like creativity, it doesn't imply that we're not at all creative. Like that's not really possible, right? Um, but it would imply that maybe that those are ways or that's a way that we want to grow and that we see a loving relationship as a way in which we can grow in that virtue, right? So for me, I just want to introduce the idea that balance, I think, is, is kind of key here as well, right? And the idea that we're encouraging, um, individuals are encouraging one another towards this type of completeness, right? So even taking, let's say, 
taking a moment thinking about how we'd like to develop in general as people. I think I may have remarked on this a little bit in the introduction. Um, the School of Life really, I think, provides an interesting example too to kind of, uh, I think, get us working with this self-knowledge idea. Uh, he talks about, or they talk about, the mechanisms of attraction and love, or this mechanism of attraction and love, this, um, let's say, pursuit of completion, um, is similar to the mechanism of attraction we have around styles of architecture and design. When it comes to buildings and interiors, we also operate with an instinct for completion. The places we call beautiful, like the people we call attractive, are often those that have qualities we want, but don't yet have enough of. And he provides an example, or two examples of buildings, one of which is very sort of ornately designed, a lot of details, and the other one is totally minimalist. Right, so it's pretty much devoid. You know, it's totally lacking in any detail. So the more, let's say, simple aesthetic, somebody who would maybe, you know, be lacking in calm and coherence and serenity, uh, may, might have, you know, let's say they'd characterize their daily thinking as being relatively chaotic. They might have an affinity or a connection or an attraction to the more simple aesthetic, whereas someone, let's say, who was calm generally, let's say less and less intense, might have an appreciation and be drawn to the more detailed, ornate design. And I think we could even maybe frame this in other aesthetic considerations too, right? Aside from architecture and like the way we would, you know, um, prefer a physical space to be, even to the way we dress maybe, right? Because for me, for example, I'm someone who I would, I would say my thinking, you know, I need more calm and coherence and peace and serenity. Um, so for me, even the way I dress, like I wear the same three colors and I don't have a lot of clothing at all because like to, to even make that choice to me, you're adding, you're, ad, you're adding chaos. So for me, I pretty much wear on a daily basis, black, blue and white and jeans. That's pretty much my whole, and I, I, my whole wardrobe. And I think there's a reason for that that might pertain to this nicely. And I only mention that to highlight, like maybe again, if we're in a position, we want to cultivate some self-knowledge, what we might be looking for in terms of this instinct for completion, look at your physical spaces, look at maybe some of your other habits aesthetically, and they might illuminate what you're yearning for, right? If they're simple, if there's a sense that you appreciate a minimalist approach to aesthetics, right? You're yearning for something maybe trying to be completed and grow in, in, you know, in serenity, coherence, and calm. Things to consider. And again, this is one of three instincts that we might be yearning for in terms of how we search for love. The second instinct is the instinct for endorsement. Right. So School of Life tells us we have many issues and feelings that we are lonely with, misunderstood for, and that most people don't get or are uninterested in. Perhaps we dislike certain people who are generally popular. Maybe we are anxious about things that others are robust around. We might have sorrows that no one else seems to share, or we could have excitements and interests that carry no echo in others. We might then be powerfully attracted to people who seem to understand the lonely aspects of us. We love them for their ability to endorse fragile, isolated, offbeat traits. They get us in contrast to the lesions of the insensitive who cannot. When we are 
When we are finally with the ideal endorsing candidate, we feel engaged in a small conspiracy against the rest of the world. We don't have to explain very much about ourselves. They just know. They get things quickly without us having to speak. They read our souls, so we don't have to spell out their contents in the normal, arduous way. Our love is a dividend of gratitude for their magical ability to understand. The third instinct is the instinct for familiarity. In adulthood, we will be attracted to people who remind us, more or less unconsciously, of the people we loved as children. The idea seems unnerving because of a natural feeling of disgust around thinking of our childhood caregivers in this way. But this is not the point. It isn't that we are attracted to people who are in every way like our childhood caregivers. It's just that with unnerving symmetry, some of the qualities we find most attractive in adults are those that were once manifest in our caregivers from childhood. The affection of our partners can end up tinged with a feeling of familiarity. In their arms, in an emotional sense, we come home.